Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today, we are revisiting the subject of self-awareness. When we first launched the Aim Higher podcast, we started here. It seemed to be the right place to start then, and the topic has come up repeatedly in episode after episode. Self-awareness is key to leadership, to teams, to success, to good relationships. Self-evaluation is the precursor to self-awareness. Self-awareness is the precursor to self-control. So because of the importance of this subject, we thought we would revisit that conversation and bring it back to you again. And also for all of you who write in, share the podcast, listen, and especially those who rate us wherever you do listen, we greatly appreciate you. Here is our conversation about self-awareness. Today, I wanna talk about the topic of self-awareness. I find it incredibly appropriate to start here. We don't teach about it in schools, and yet it affects everything we do. We observe others. I'm always fascinated by behavior and what and why and how people do what they do. But we don't often turn that attention to ourselves and watch with the same intensity. Self-awareness is the starting point. Identifying and seeing a problem often is the key to solving it. Once something is on the table, we can figure out how to deal with it. Self-awareness is waking up. It's paying attention. It's seeing what's happening. In Nashville, hang out in recording studios and watch the focus on a song. Every aspect is studied, reviewed, listened to, repeated, dissected. Why would we do all of this with a song and not with our lives? Same thing with the sports instance replay. Every single aspect of that replay is dissected in the same way, and yet we don't often do the same in our lives. As someone who adores quotes, you will know that I frequently share them and will on the show. Carl Jung said, your visions will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. Who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. And I love this one by Stephen Covey. He says, self-awareness is our capacity to stand apart from ourselves and examine our thinking, our motives, our history, our scripts, our actions, and our habits and tendencies. So let's talk about self-awareness. I have some friends here in the studio to have a conversation about this. Tammy Spade, she's an executive specializing messaging, marketing, culture, facilities, human resources, and deep problems like me. We have Drew Bordis, who specializes in operations, and he has an unhealthy fondness for Georgia Tech football, which pops out every it's now and unhealthy. then. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Very healthy. And we have Elise Wampler, who is an organizational development and learning consultant and fellow leadership trainer. So we're going to talk about leadership and self-awareness. So let's start out with the basics. Why is it that self-awareness even matters. I really feel like self-awareness is seeing yourself the way others see you. Have you ever looked in the mirror and think, yeah, you know, I look pretty good. And then later on, a photo will be taken of you and you think, oh my gosh, <laughs> how could I have gone out of the house looking like that? I feel like and, that happens too frequently. Oh, sometimes. well, you know, it does. It does. <laughs> but it's really being able to just see yourself the way others see you. 
and experience yourself the way others experience you, and then doing something about that. When you say doing something about that, I was thinking I feel the reverse. I look in the mirror and horrified, but the picture's always great because, you know, there's a thing called Photoshop and yeah, fixing it. You have, you have a team working Filter. on it. Yes, yes, yes look, exactly. Look, look, look better, fabulous. You look better than you did 20 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you have to have that self-awareness to know that, ooh, I need to adjust that photo slightly. Somebody needs to fix this one. <laughs> it is why we're behind the mics today. You know, I find self-awareness interesting as you're growing in your career and you're learning, you know, what used to work for me as an individual contributor. And now that may not work as a leader or now I'm, now I'm talking to a broader set of people or from a, you know, from around the world, like we do at different sites at different countries. And I might not be able to use that joke or I might not, Oh, that's not going to come across now. And just being aware of it to say, okay, how do I need to adjust my style and stay true to myself? You know, be good at what I'm good at, but grow into that, that broader set of leadership, you know, requirements. I think adding on to that, Drew, is when you think of self-awareness, in order to have self-awareness, you need to have trusted individuals around you to help you spot things out, for you to introspectively think about it like, oh, I didn't realize that joke didn't land. Yeah, or, <laughs> that's I a nice way to say that. I yeah. didn't realize that the audience didn't quite connect that way. Right. But being open and trusting to take that feedback and then become, okay, well, how do I adjust this? Mm -hmm. We all have an internal voice, too, and it's interesting because some people have this uncanny ability to reframe their self-awareness to be wow, I was really awesome. When everybody was sleeping and yawning in the presentation, <laughs> yeah. they think yeah. everybody they was it. cheering. And, so, you know, they will emphasize that. Or, or the reverse, right, where you have the person who's just like beating themselves up and it was so bad and I this, that, and people were leaving the room and you're like, no, it really wasn't that bad. Have you seen that difference in terms of that internal voice? Oh, absolutely. I feel like sometimes having that internal voice where it can be really helpful can also be the most detrimental thing to help you grow because just beating yourself down for something doesn't help you want to get better and almost holding yourself in regards to something it's like eh, let's let's see where you have opportunities and you know grow. Tammy Tammy's really good at that actually cuz she'll tell me if, if I'm stewing on a meeting or something that you know presentation and I'll come back and talk to her about it. And she'll be like, Drew, nobody thinks about you as much as you do. So just remember that. And that's, you know, ha having somebody that could tell you that. And that's like, true, Drew. It is true. I know. I know that you should think of me more. But, it, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's true. Nobody else is obsessing over this but me. I can, I can kind of chill out on that. Yeah. I feel like those drivers, the internal drivers, the internal messages, some of the hardest things to tease out around mm -hmm. self-awareness. And you to be real. You them in other people. And to be real. Be authentic. Right. Admit it. Yeah. How do you get it right, right? How do you not be too positive in your portrayal of yourself or not beat yourself up unnecessarily? And that self-awareness that's powerful is when it's, no, no, it's actually awareness of how you were, not how you wanted to be or thought you could be or thought you were. It's actually how you showed up. Yeah. I think Elise touched on it. Part of it is trusted partners, being able to ask someone else. Sometimes you can do it in advance even and say, you know what, I'm working on this or I'm not sure about how this is going to come off. Will you watch it for me? Sometimes you can just do it, you know, after a meeting, after a session, presentation, whatever, and just ask for that perspective. You need people to hold the mirror up a little bit to you and probably test some of those internal voices and those I guess drivers that you're you're you know sharing that you're just not you can't see without that mirror. Well, we just got done working with a group of leaders on building coaching skills 
and when they sit down with employees, how to coach versus direct. So having a facilitated conversation versus a directive conversation. And I feel like that's it, right? Teasing things out of people through the series of questions, helping them come to the realization of, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Why am I making it a bigger deal? Or, oh, I didn't see those social cues in those around me. How'd I miss that? And I need to be more aware of that. And coaching, I feel like, is a great skill set for leaders to help tease that out of people. It is a great coaching opportunity for people. And I'm curious what you think when someone shows up and they are self-aware. How do they show up differently? Someone who's self-aware, what do you notice about that person when they're present? They're comfortable in their own skin. Because I think one of the things that you'll see in people, you know, each of us has different gifts and skill sets and, and even different backgrounds. And when you can emulate, you know, what you've learned from other people, but still be true to yourself, you know, still like, like I like to use humor, right, to deflate tension in situations or things like that, but that doesn't always work. Does right? it apply to your Georgia Tech football it does. It does at times, yes. <laughs> it I, has I'm, to. I've become very <laughs> humble. How could you get yes, through yes. that otherwise? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a tough crowd up here. But being able to appropriately use your strengths in a situation and have confidence that you don't have to be perfect and, and I can tailor something to the way I do things and I do it well and knowing what I do well, what I don't do well. When you see people do that, you, they're, just, they're just clicking, they're humming, you can just tell. Well, they're engaged, they're energetic. Um, I, I feel like performance is naturally better because they can see and recognize um, those accountability markers too of, oh yeah, you know what, I, I missed the ball on that. Let me, let me pick that ball up and keep running with it until we can get it over the line. There's just a different passion there when someone is truly self-aware of what they're good at, what they're not great at, and who to go to if they're not great at it. I'm curious, when you see people who are painfully not self-aware and they just you're thinking, I can't believe you don't see it. And yet you always approach people with such positivity, grace, kind of uh, just a kindness. And you do it to uh, all sorts of people, myself included, if there are times when I'm not self-aware, to say, you know, here's how you're showing up. How do you approach someone who's just really not aware and help them realize it, but they might not really be asking for it, but you know that they actually need to know? Yeah. You know, I think part of it is asking good questions and asking them, let's talk about how you think that went. Do you think <laughs> that went well? What do you think the result was? Do you feel like people understood what you were asking? Are you getting the results, the outcomes that you're looking for? You know, sometimes you have to be super direct and say, I don't think that went well. And let me tell you why I don't think that went well. But I think there's still a way to do it that honors that person and, you know, just respects what they bring to the table. Some of the conventional wisdom is you start with a positive and then you bring something else in, but I, I don't think that ever works. Because they know it's coming. Well, they hear the but and they know that the real truth is coming after the but. And, you know, you're really good at this, but no. That, well, that I have really to say, you, you ask it in such a good way. Intonation means everything. And you say, how do you think that went in a, in a sincere, genuine, honest way? I would say, how do you think that went? Right? <laughs> yeah. Intonation means but, everything. But when you get to know Tammy, and if she's coming to me asking me, Drew, how do you think that went? I know how it went, and it did not go well. Right. <laughs> she's just being nice about it. Yeah. And you still get the same, same intonation oh, of yeah. positivity. Oh, totally. But you know it's not really going to be there in the same way. 
Well, that uh, sandwich Tamway is talking about, I feel like completely deflates a message, too. I've been given feedback where it's coming, a sandwich form, and I leave that conversation like, okay, am I achieving what I should be achieving? Am I not? Almost just very confused, thinking I'm self-aware, but going in, coming out of it, like, more confused than I went into the conversation. Right. Um, Well, you know, Skip is good at this. He'll, He'll have a perspective on a business issue that we're wrestling with. And then he'll stop and say, am I wrong? How do you all see this? Where do you think we have to make adjustments? And so you're phrasing things in a way that tries to pull that out. Um, You're not necessarily doing it for the purpose of self-awareness, but you're doing it in a way that tries to bring all the other views out so that then you can become aware, where do I have a blind spot? And I think the blind spots are probably the most difficult thing for people to get a clarity on when it when it comes to self-awareness. But what, with the positional power of the CEO, what a loaded question that is. Yes. Am I wrong? Yes. And we have yeah. to gauge, is today a day where we're telling Skip he's wrong, or is that not that type of day? Which, which day are Thursday. we in? Should right. we really do yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we think about self-awareness and success, and I'm curious about how self-awareness is connected to success and aiming higher. There's a great quote by tennis great Billie Jean King. It's just so many quotes. So I'll just pick the one that's appropriate here. She says, I think self-awareness is probably the most important thing towards being a champion. And so to have a a tennis great like her say self-awareness and championship, those are linked. I I think that's so important to think about, right? How is it that self-awareness is so important. And you could see as a tennis player, you know, that self-awareness and how important that is, your presence, how you're showing up, how you're practicing, how you're serving, you know, every single thing. But it's just as appropriate in organizations, in business, in different ways we show up at work. So how is self-awareness connected towards aiming higher and championships and success? You know, I think athletics provide a great example because you have to know how to tweak your game. People sometimes will resist coaching in a corporate environment, um, a business environment. But look at every single tremendous athlete. They have coaches. Sometimes they have multiple coaches. This coach is helping them work on this. This one's helping them work on that part of their game or their performance. And I do think that, you know, athletes are not freakishly good at every single part of their game. And people, executives, leaders, are not good at every single part of their game. So part of it is knowing where do I have to be better and where can I rely on someone else to be that for me. Tammy, that's one of the things I find interesting about an executive team in particular because you all have different backgrounds, strengths. You're all subject matter experts. You're all leaders of leaders. And it took me a while to realize even in that team, I still might be the only one that sees the problem that I see. And we each have those that happen. But at first, when you're not as self-aware and you're thinking, well, either I'm wrong or it's not that big a deal because somebody else would say it. But as you grow into that and you realize, oh, I really am the only one with this background that can look at that and say, I see a problem here, right? And being aware of that and When you get everybody operating like that on a team, that's, you know, to use the sports analogy, that's when you really can build a winning team and culture. From a, just a team standpoint, that's when you build trust, Mm -hmm. right? Is, is it's, I'm okay saying that to you because I know that your opinion of the situation is that this is what I bring to the table. Right. 
but I can have a conversation with you and continue to grow and understand in that area, but I may never be the expert and that's okay. I think when you think of individual contributors, it's figuring out what does that path look like? Where do I want to take my career? And then looking at those skill sets and focusing on those and it being okay when you need to defer some of those talents to other members of your team. There's nothing wrong with that. You just need to know it. It's an interesting segue because you think about self-awareness and success. It's so often today as a topic not discussed, but yet critically important is the one that we've kind of moved into, which is team awareness. I think about an interview I had several years ago with former presidential candidate, U.S. Senator Bill Bradley. And he, of course, was also, before all of his political career, a basketball legend playing for the Knicks. And he said this, he said this quote, which really stuck with me. He said, one of us was only one point on a five-point star. And we realized that no one of us could be as good as all five of us playing unselfishly. And that, to me, was a perfect quote, a perfect distillation of team awareness, right? So they were aware of their point on the star, but then they were aware of how the team was playing. Back to, Drew, what you were saying about the teams, and am I saying this uniquely? Sometimes it's unique, sometimes it's the team. So how about team awareness? How do you, how do you manage that? How does a team get to that point where you're uniquely aware both of that person's gifts, that part that they see that maybe nobody else sees, and you use that, and where you're in your zone where you're using your strength. How do you get that balance right? First of all, you have to be open to communicate around it because sometimes it is a simple, I've done this well in the past. Can I give it a shot for the team? And, well, then we find out, was it, you know, what we need on the team? But as an individual on the team, it's communicating that. When you are self-aware, this is, this is what I know I can do to help and contribute to the team and bring to it. Part of it, too, is putting the team first and self mm-hmm. second. And we, mm-hmm. Again, athletics, you've watched games or teams with just incredibly talented athletes who couldn't play together because each of them wanted to be the star or each of them were too insecure to pass the ball or to say, I have a blind spot or I'm not shooting well tonight or I don't have to be the star in this particular game or this series or whatever. You know, when people are working together as a team, And they're passing the ball, as it were, whether it's a corporate team or, you know, a team in a church or or whatever setting it's in. There you're able to say, this is uniquely you. When I need some orientation around process, get my head around something, where are we really trying to go? Drew's the guy who just will clear the clutter. When I want someone to think about the whole perspective, the whole ecosystem, as it were, I might go to somebody else on the team and say, okay, you know, let's just blue sky this. And so we all do play unique roles. And when you put the team first and self second, and you have the confidence to be humble, then you can begin to get to that really high-performing team level. I think the only thing I would add is, and we've done this a few times, is kind of taking a time out to talk about it purposefully, right? Whether that's a retreat topic or something like that, but just to say, as a team, how do you think we're perceived by the organization? Where do you think we have gaps? Where do you think we have strengths? And, you know, because as we all know, your strengths can also be your weaknesses if you overuse them. And so we may think, wow, we're, we're just great. And, oh, actually it's, it's got a side effect over here. That's not, we have a blind spot, you know, and just really sitting down and talking about it. I think that the power of diversity is so appropriate when we think about team awareness too, because 
we all have blind spots and the more diverse your team is, not just diversity in classic sense of, of diversity, though that's important, but also just thinking about it differently, different experiences, different cultures, different languages, different global experiences, different racial backgrounds, all of these different experiences give us this team awareness that we wouldn't have if it's just self-awareness. And that's the beauty of coming together with a team in a unique way. So I definitely see that. I want to segue lastly to this question about back to self-awareness and building self-awareness and just what are some ways that you found to be helpful in your own journey to being more self-aware and in helping other people who may not be self-aware of certain aspects, whether in a a meeting or on the tennis court, wherever it is, right? How do you help people become more self-aware? What are the techniques that you use in your life? I mean, for me, it's back to that trusted coach and advisor. And, And for me personally, it has to be somebody I respect. I can't just take advice from anybody. That's a flaw. See, I'm self-aware. But being able to go to somebody and that you respect and trust and that you can kind of let your guard down a little bit. And, and you know, we're not all, we're not perfect, but, you know, we don't like to advertise how we're not perfect. But to be able to say, hey, you know, I feel like I struggled with this or, you know, I got a reaction that I just didn't expect or fell flat. Can you talk through that with me? And having somebody to be able to do that with is critical. Even getting to that point of realizing sometimes when you begin your leadership journey, you start to think that you have to be good at everything. I can't show a weak spot, can't let him see a sweat kind of thing. And being able to open yourself up and ask for that input or even just acknowledge, I'm not good at everything as a leader. And I think there's room, you know, in things like assessments too, that can give you a little bit of a window into maybe a more quantitative. I love assessments. I know you do. (laughs) He assesses us all the time. Um, And myself. (laughs) But different assessments too. You know, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. This one's going to show you, you know, how you show up in terms of stress or maybe usual style. This one's going to show you how you process problems or, or how you do things cognitively. Yeah, I was just going to tack on to what Drew was saying is I have a trusted group of partners that if you're outside of that trusted group, it's okay, but ones that I consistently go to like, okay, here's what happened. Help me understand either how to move on from this or how I could get better in this space. Um, What are some things I can do? So careful to choose the right ones, right? The right ones. (laughs) Right. Some will just say, oh, you're great. You're this. Or some will just be, right. It's Mm -hmm. hard to pick. It's hard to pick those people. Well, you got to have somebody who will be real. Yeah. And and the the higher you go up in leadership, the harder that is to figure out. Who's being real and who's just telling you what you want to hear. Who's saying yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. you bet. That's a great idea, Skip. Mm -hmm. Best idea ever. Thank you, Drew. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I knew it was a fabulous idea. Some other ways I was thinking, just awareness. I think of my daughter, Joy. She journals every night, and I think it helps make her aware. I mean, she's reflecting on her day, and then she'll go back and read past entries, and it just makes her aware of the feelings she had, aware of the experiences. I think journaling can be a really powerful tool in that way. And Some people are wired that way to want a journal. Others despise it, and there's a whole range in between. But I think that makes people more self-aware. I've also seen people become more self-aware when they are in different settings. So if they're in a sports team, they may see behavior that they can then learn from in the office. Or some people just being in nature just makes them more aware. They can get some stillness. They can get some grounding. They're more aware 
of their spiritual side, depending on their practices. They may go to a church and then that may impact their business or they may feel like, you know, this time in this synagogue, whatever their religion is. I find this awareness in these different aspects. Mindfulness is a big thing in a lot of the business literature today, but just to be mindful and self-aware happens often in stillness. And I think for some of us in business and executives and we're moving, we're checking off the checklist and all those kind of things, we're least comfortable with stillness and especially, watch this, I'll have you pause silence. Very hard. Not a strength of mine. (laughs) Yes. I want to fill it in. (laughs) Fill it in. Me too. And yet in the stillness and silence in nature, in those opportunities, it's often the times when we become most self-aware when we get control of the voice inside and we get more reflective and think, how can I be more deliberate and show up in a different way? And yet for many of us, I mean, look at it today, right? I love doing this little exercise. Go to a restaurant, look around and watch when one of the people leaves the table, goes to the restroom or whatever. Watch what happens to the other person. Count how many seconds before the phone comes out. It's unbelievable. And the time keeps shrinking. It may be two seconds. Nobody can sit there in absolute stillness and just be comfortable in who they are. I say nobody. You might find somebody rarely, and then you need to put them on this podcast to talk about (laughs) self-awareness because they're incredible, right? But people don't do that because we're in a constant, constant bombardment society, and we reach for it to get that next you know, hormonal hit that comes from seeing what the latest tweet is. And yet that is exactly the opposite of what gives us self-awareness, I think. Do you feel that way? Totally. And, you know, in that restaurant example, if you do look up and try and make eye contact, you can't find anyone's eyes because they're all (laughs) looking down. Or even sometimes when you see people at the dinner table together. I know. It's like, oh. That's the topic of family awareness. (laughs) And I think, you know, even in the the office setting, I think you've got to give yourself permission to do that, to say, you know what, I need to chew on this issue or I need to clear off my whiteboard and just draw out some, some of these things that are bugging me and just sit and look at it for a second and try to make sense of it and realize that that's okay. You can't do it all day, but take a little time to just think about the problems you're seeing. Yeah. Reflecting is work too. Yeah. And we tend to be a very much a doing, and I think oh, a lot of leaders doing, doing, yes. doing, and you want to look like you're doing well, if I'm someone's left the table to go to the restroom, I have to look like I'm doing something. Right. I can't just sit here staring out into space. That wouldn't look like I was being productive. But your point about reflection is that it's work too. I mean, that's value as well. And we probably don't express that enough. What'd so, you say, Tammy? I've been looking at my phone. <laughs> Totally interesting, though. (laughs) Sounded great. Well, even sometimes when uh, we're up in front of a group facilitating something, letting those 10 seconds of awkward, very uncomfortable silence just sit there as people reflect on it and think about it and really process that information. And when you allow that to happen, the comments that come from it are so much richer than what they would be if you try and move through it too quickly. Self-awareness, even in front of the room. Yes. (laughs) And aware of the your Mm -hmm. impact on that room Mm -hmm. and the impact of your pause. I think that becomes uh, an incredibly important journey towards self-awareness. Well, thank you for this conversation about self-awareness. It made me more self-aware in between my texts now. And I think it's something that we all need to work on. 
this journey towards success and leadership and personal development always starts with an understanding of you, your thinking, your impact on others, and great conversation. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.